0: When you started, because I would have. I'd have ate that for like a champ. That's interesting. Seisha. I've never heard it pronounced that way. And it was an intentional pronunciation with the, the name itself.
1: Yeah. Tell my mom all the time she should have filled a Y in there into my name, but so I she didn't, so Sasha all my life. I
0: have a first name. I go by J. My first name is Matthew. It has one T in it. I have a lifetime of misspelled documents and people that will purposely mispronounce my name because they want me to know that they've noticed my name doesn't have two T's in it as if I'm an idiot. There Mm -hmm. are people like this in the world that want you to feel uncomfortable about the name you were given. (laughs) It's like telling somebody their laugh is out of control. A way to steal some happiness, (laughs) right?
1: (laughs) Yep. I had some clients for years and they would still just call me Sasha. Like, they knew very well how to pronounce my name. I'm going like, so to go annoying. with it. It doesn't bother me any.
0: So annoying. Got to be a really cool perspective too, given that in the modern societal dynamic, the average white American has stuck to a certain type of name set and these, you know, that all fall in a pattern. But after a certain point, when someone pronounces what looks like something to America one way and adds a different sound to it it, imme- it immediately comes with racial connotations or different personalities that follow a long A mm-hmm. that's simply a long A a long A changes what you look like until you meet somebody
1: it's true it's so true I actually dealt with that growing up with people that I would date with guys that I would date as their parents expected something different before they met me.
0: I love I love the juxtaposition. I, I can never get enough of just complete and total out-of-character disturbances people get on their <laughs> radar whenever it happens. Because uh, my description for that is a pig staring at a wristwatch because it really is just ultimate confusion. Before we get too much further... Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that Thanks. heard the name uh, breakdown, this is Sasha Rogers. Um, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. Sasha is a licensed therapist specializing in health, fitness, drug, and alcohol. Uh, mom of two children, one special needs with autism, and uh, she also has her own business. She's a, health, a mental health coach amongst many different things mm-hmm. and fitness as well. You want to tell everybody who you are? It's nice yeah. to meet you.
1: So nice to meet you and to be here. So yes, I am Sasha with my long A and I am a mental health substance abuse therapist in the state of Oklahoma. And during COVID, I was doing some remote coaching beforehand. And then after I had my little one and transition between COVID and everything, I decided to go all in I, and I do more coaching than therapy Mm. can't see my little quotes therapy nowadays and I absolutely love it it enables me to speak so much more real with people without having these certain guidelines and everything mm. that I have to follow
0: so it doesn't come with a, a diagnosis code it doesn't have an ICD-10 or an ICD-9 back in the day attached to it that's right it means you Look can have you. a real conversation without feeling like you're going to get sued
1: yep that's right so I love it. That's what I do now. And he said it's just, it's a combination of all these great things. I, I do more counseling now than I feel like I do anything, but really helping people with their health and their wellness and digging into that mindset and those hurdles and beliefs that really have held them back for so long so that we can break those barriers and have a lifestyle change. My hopes for everybody.
0: I like um, that you said a lifestyle change. And what's beautiful about it is it requires no relocation. I feel like a lot of us keep in our mind that we have to live in a new home in order to have a new life. And unfortunately that would require killing yourself and starting with another body because it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. The problem goes with you. So that change can happen in place. And I like that you throughout your journey in the beginning, you had highlighted what it was like to go through the pandemic as a new mother. And I feel like those are isolation and echo chambers that create different people. And we've seen time and time again, you're either reborn or die in place. One or the other, you shrivel up on the vine and you're growing and thriving. Can you tell us what it was like for you in that pressure cooker and what realities that it helped you comprehend going forward?
1: So it, the pandemic, to talk about blessings in the skies all the time, mm-hmm. it was a it was a huge shift for me. I mean, I was in a very corporate job at the top of top of my game, honestly. Like, I was like, okay, there's really nowhere else for me to go. Which I'm the person that's always looking, and it's like, what am I going to do next as far as moving up? But it's like, I was really good at my job. I liked it. I liked the position that I was in. Um, but I was looking for he's like, even what's next? And it was a very high pressure job. And my my boyfriend, my partner was always like, you know, you need to get out of it because it was extremely stressful. And I'm like, I'm so good at this and I know I'm doing good. Um, so it was a hard adjustment and the pandemic and then having a little one in the pandemic forced me. They were gonna close my Oklahoma City office that I was in. And so I was gonna be completely forced to travel and I don't know if you've been to Oklahoma or everything is extremely there spread is out. There's so Nothing close driving.
0: in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's it is just like driving across Texas when you're coming across the bottom from like California to Florida. It's just pastures. Like mm-hmm. just pastures. Yep. <laughs>
1: That's it. So one office to the next, I could be driving in five hours in a day and Uh-oh. then still trying to get work done. I'm like, this is gonna be, you know, near impossible with with a little one. And that was a decision I was forced to make. And so I chose not to have a job and was like forced not to have a job, but chose not to to go that path. And it said, you know, go all in on myself and do things that I was more passionate about and be able to, you know, be with my kids. So I lost my job during maternity leave, which was Mm. pretty crazy.
0: I don't think you're alone in that regard either. I think that um, we don't pay enough attention to the fact that a lot of women, the imbalance in familial units with regard to the mother versus the corporate role, the women were pulling double duty and a lot of times they were forced to choose. Do I take care of my own child or do I, you know, sacrifice my livelihood to do both? And A lot seem to be forced out just all together. I have a theory on that, a little one. I don't think that people like to look at things that they're ashamed of. And when they are forcing a human being to work beyond five o'clock, and now you hear the children behind them in the background crying because they should be with their parent right now, not dedicated to a company. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we're forced to look at those types of things, we want to push them away from kind of like homeless people, not that some others are people, mm-hmm. but we will turn away rather than face it and realize that we're in such a good position, or we might be taking advantage of how good we have it or that person. So, sorry, I just wanted to yeah. take a right turn there for a second, because I think that a lot of women went through that. Um, and this is going to yeah. resonate with them. And,
1: and it has been like, even with me now, it's like, My focus on, you know, who I'm working with and getting that choice is makes me so happy because I'm working with so many women that are going through similar things. And then, you know, I can have my screaming, crazy children in the, in the background at times. And it's been very few and far between that. I have somebody that feels like they can't relate or that it's, you know, disrespectful to some degree. And like, we try to keep our kids as quiet as we can, but like when you're working from home and, you know, you, this is life. But you have to embrace that.
0: Like, how can you not? It's an unrealistic expectation to have somebody be able to isolate themselves within the place that they live, away from the people they love, and expect them to concentrate. You know, your kid is screaming. That means, you know, you're a mother. I'm pretty sure that there's a couple books written on how much anxiety that will cause for a woman in a moment, right? Right. You go ahead and ignore your maternal instincts and that screaming child and sit here and listen to my PowerPoint. Yep. Kiss my rear end. I don't understand how anybody would want to do that.
1: It, if I can even piggyback off of that, that was something that a huge lesson that I've even learned because so I have my son who is, he'll be almost three in May. He's two, um, he was diagnosed with autism, but whenever he was a baby, it was, you know, we have to fit within this mold, right? It's like all kids act a certain way, mm. and even from a doctor's perspective. And it, w- I went through times of trying to be the perfect mom and trying to do everything right and follow the doctor's orders and, like, oh, you know, let them cry it out for a couple nights. And this is the way it's supposed to go. My kid did not follow within that at all. i like, and it would, Caused me so much anxiety. I would Mm. just be pissed. I mean, honestly, if I could say that was like I was mad, and I'm like listening to my kid scream and holler, and this is what it's supposed to be like. And then now, knowing that he was different, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, breaks my heart to know that it's like I put him through that, but also that I put myself through that. That like you don't have to be perfect. Not every kid is the same. And I said that's your maternal instinct to not let your kid sit there and scream. And be upset, but it's like the doctors, the professionals are not always right.
0: Autism in many ways feels like an evolutionary good because there's so many things that an autistic person can have as traits that protect them from the ignorance that we try to inflict upon our own children as a societal conditioning Whereas a child that is being told to be a human in a certain type of way and only one way, because let's face it, you have to fit in order to be a cog in the machine. And the moment you try to push an autistic child into the machine in the shape of a cog, they're going to flip the F out and tell you, get your hands off me. I'm not going Mm -hmm. in the machine. I don't care how good my math is or whatever strength trait I have that's aligned with me. You're not going to get me to do these things. And guess what else? You ever seen an autistic child or person not have passion about what they're talking about? They're so passionate. <laughs> we all take a page from that. Don't let people mm-hmm. fuck up your reality and live with passion about what you love. Seems pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And being able to just to see that like as he's. You know, at he's two and it's like the patch that he has with certain things and just like how much he's invested in it. The fitting the little con today was just like, I mean, a coat because said, I knew I had this coming up and I'm like, I got to get him out the door and have somebody that watch him because said, you would have somebody over here pulling on my hair for those of you that can. Oh, that's that hysterical
0: can that anybody <laughs> would go to any lengths to sit down for a conversation with me. It's, sometimes yep. that's surreal. Because I'm like, you know, come in here with him picking your nose live time, and I would be super cool with it. I would not care because it would just be that much more authentic.
1: Next time.
0: Next time. Well, that was the (laughs) byproduct of the pandemic was um, seeing women without makeup. It was so (laughs) breathtaking. It was amazing. Everybody was natural. Nobody was hiding behind a mask. They were giving you who they actually were. And women looked relaxed.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I like that you said that. Yeah. Relaxed. Relaxed. That's a great word. I think that motherhood made me turn into this relaxed person. I felt that this morning. It's so funny you brought that up. I was like, and not until motherhood do you become, I feel like just totally confident with who I am as a person. It came after the fact, not before. It's like people feel I've talked about so many women that's like they feel more confident before they had kids and now they, you know, feel like they're a mess. They don't like their body and all that the aftermath. And I'm like, I feel better than I've ever felt, but I've done a lot of work.
0: You shouldn't be anything but that for the sake of the ones that are looking at you for their guidance. The moment that Maybe. you don't show that you've got your shit together is the moment that they start to realize that life is real, but at the same okay. token, you have to show them that it's okay.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that completely is it's like I've done said, it's a lot of work. I've done a lot of work to get to where. I am in this personal growth and something I really pride myself in is this emotional management. And it's like, thank goodness that I actually put in the work and have it because my life now, if I did not, I'd want to jump off cliff every day almost. It seems. <laughs> like what it, days what are does chaotic.
0: emotional management look like? That's an that's an interesting phrase. What does emotional management look like to Sasha?
1: So to me, it's being able to be aware of like what I'm experiencing in a certain moment. You know, am I anxious? Am I frustrated? Am I getting angry? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what's kind of sweeping over me. And that really dictates how we respond in a lot of our behaviors. And so if I'm able to realize, okay, this is kind of what's washing over me right now. These are the emotions that I'm dealing with. I'm able to manage how I react to my kids, how I react to my spouse, how I end up working for the rest of the day. Because you know, we can, we mm. can, have one bad thing happen to us right emotionally somebody cuts us off in traffic and it's like the whole day is ruined that's not ideal right
0: (laughs) it just popped into my head i love analogies i love comparisons metaphors that kind of thing and when you said that it immediately popped into my head the management of these things that are a part of your life the one thing that we also have to realize is if they were a bunch of balloons say i handed you All of those items that you described, and they were full of helium, and they were sitting beside you, and they had their names on them. All of those things are only impacting you while you hold the balloons. The moment you let go of the balloons, they no longer exist. Mm -hmm. It's a choice to hold on to those. They need to be held to remain in place. That's the, the biggest part of this that none of those emotions and situations are yours you don't own them they belong to everybody on the planet you just rent them for a little while and you actually pay to keep them around It's fucking stupid you know it doesn't make any sense that
1: it just imagines like just let it go and it's like okay if you want to be able to get rid of some of that anxiety it's like let that balloon go
0: well it's not a brick it's not Anything? anything you can hold in your hand in all honesty like, mm-hmm. if you can hand me a brick of anxiety, we can start talking. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's just a hypothetical thing that gives me stomach aches and get mad at, you know, whoever around my house. That's mm-hmm. all it actually is. And then still, it's a balloon that I tied to my tail and I'm running around the house trying to get away from like an idiot. Maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like, I this morning said all transparency as my two year old was extra. All kinds of extra today, you know, moving furniture, climbing everything. I'm trying to work this morning and he's, you know, he's everywhere. And then I have a three month old as well. And so it's like, I have to have somebody that's going to be keeping eyes on them while I'm trying to do other things. And I was like, okay, I felt myself, you know, getting extra wound up just from his energy of just trying to get into absolutely everything. And I was like, this isn't doing me any good. This isn't doing him any good. You need to take a step back. Like this is just who he is. This is what my life just looks like. Like I work from just home. Just put up padding,
0: man. Padding I, is is your friend.
1: Yes, I say that all the time. I'm Nerf like, I just up the
0: house hand. and tell him to go ape shit. Like that's what I would do in that situation. He would. We would be eating dinner on Nerf. We would be everything. The couch is Nerf. It does not matter. It's all spill proof. Yep. And occasionally, someone will take a bite out of it like the football outside.
1: That's right. That is exactly right. and so it, But it's like, those are the emotions, you know, that come along with these types of situations, And we can either let that completely dictate the rest of our day and our mood and how things are going to go, or we can say, okay, this is what's going on with me and be able to let it go. So that way you can make a better decision, the best choice that's going to actually serve you instead of slow you down, hurt you, not serve your purpose. That's more what emotional management is to me.
0: Yeah. And it it makes perfect sense. And I like that you're identifying things in the now. So I want to ask you, because that is a gift, which is discernment in any given moment to see what reality is going on around you versus what's in your head. And that's something that takes time. It's There's different methods with which to be able to obtain mindfulness. They can be so many different ways. We've had over the last couple of weeks, I had somebody on last week, we were all about plant medicine. You know, and plant medicine is a, is a fast track with the right, you know, shaman or situation, uh, you know, i.e. I mushrooms or something like that it gives you that mm-hmm. separation between church and state in your head. Same thing you get through meditation, same thing you can get through martial arts, same thing you can get through childbirth for some women um, because traumatic experiences spring on this determination um, for yourself. Where do you find the ability or where did you obtain the ability to be mindful in a moment where your child is bouncing off of everything, your three-month-old is screaming at the same time, mm-hmm. and your significant other pissed you off earlier for something they said, um, which you're just filling a hole between aggravated at the situation and the now, like... <laughs> They don't even know why they're in that situation. We we all put our spouses and our significant others yep. in those roles. It's called the dump off zone. It's where we definitely like hit,
1: it.
0: Yeah, you're like a ah, little bit too much on me right now. You suck. And then you just walk off and go. <laughs> it's just so you can make <laughs> them feel it a little bit. But where do you find that at?
1: Looks like I it's been a lot of work. Uh in the past, even I grew up with addiction. And even with, in my family, and then even with myself, you know, it's like that's things that I dabbled in of trying to cope and deal with certain emotions and situations until I was like, all right, something's wrong. Someone's got to give. This is not working. Right? It never does. <laughs> it never and does. Never will work out. And even from that point of like, all right, there's different ways. I haven't been shown different ways, but mm-hmm. even I mean, through education and. I feel like more just like real life experience more than anything of, you know, this, this works, this doesn't work. And really just zoning in on my own skill set and instead sort of finding out what works for you and what doesn't. It's kind of like working out. You know, it's like, th- I feel like there's no way to feel necessarily bad when you're working out, but if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. And so <laughs> telling people all the time, like, if you're sitting there trying to run marathons and you absolutely hate running, why are we doing it? Like we want to keep you well. We want to keep you doing those things. And so figuring Mm -hmm. out what best works for you, like you said, fighting, martial arts, you know, going through and doing mindfulness, meditation,
0: music, art, creating, Mm -hmm. creating is one of the most beautiful outlets that there ever was. Oddly Mm -hmm. enough, it's the most authentic thing that you could possibly do with your time as well. So it's no surprise that it actually feels good when you're doing it. So long as Mm -hmm. you're creating with purpose of your own, not somebody else's vision. Once you're creating Mm -hmm. with your own vision, that's an additional outlet. People find spiritual releases in that because they're able to communicate in a method that's been stifled, i.e. there's different forms of autism. Let's use autism as the example. Autism creates, you would be able to explain this better to me. I'm no expert on it. If I say something out of line, anybody, please don't beat me up, just educate me. But that said, those restrictions that we believe are restrictions that, you know, an autistic person will have, um, which I just revealed could also be, on the other hand, their protection and things that we should emulate ourselves. Mm-hmm. There are other issues that people have that have not been identified yet or not given the social cues, or it hasn't violated the right set of rules yet for us to go, oh, that's a condition. Mm-hmm. Instead of respecting the fact that we're all different, mm-hmm. right? We'll look at that one particular area and we'll just be like, well, you're a failure. Yep. You're autistic and you're a failure because yeah. we don't have an ICD-10 code yet for you.
1: hmm And think about that. It's like for so many people, it's like you just said, it's like, oh, you're a failure. And they hold on to that. And it just, it keeps them from even trying. It keeps them from even Personality. moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, I struggled with it. It's like, okay, there was no growing up, there was no room for failure. Right. And it's like now, it's like, I want to encourage my kids to, you know, fail, mess up, grow, learn instead of being so limited by that and even becoming more of an entrepreneur. And feel like, you know, my journey is like, I've had to learn to let go of that and be like, screw up, screw up, and then you're going to get better. Like, as a parent, I screw up constantly. And then that's how I get better. That's how I know this is how I want to react. This is not how I want to react. And. You're doing you know. it for
0: the first time. No matter what. Even the second one still the first, second one. Yeah. Like, it's, so, it's still so true. a first. Like, it's still a different scenario. You get to three, you've got to deal with two above the three. It's still a situation. Everything we do is new. Cut people some fucking slack. Let them fuck yeah. up and be like, I laugh. Personally, I'm a huge fan of laughing at the fuck up as long as it's not a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Like if you trip in front of me and fall like hardcore, I'll ask. I'll make sure there's no like serious wounds or injuries. And then I'm going to pee my pants. Yeah. Like I'm going to point at you. We're going to talk about it for a month at your bachelor party. I'm going to toast when you hit your head on the Walmart door because you were Dodo because I expect that to come back to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when we trip in real life, the moment that we take the power away from it and we laugh at ourselves or we allow people to laugh with us at it, it just becomes nothing but another
1: day. Yep. Yep. When I'm coaching all the time, it's like, like I messed up or you know, I did so bad. I'm like, I'm so glad you're telling me about it. This is great. And they're like, this isn't great. Like I, you know, I went backwards. I'm like, no, this is great. Now we have an opportunity to learn. We're having this conversation. If you didn't screw up, we won't, We wouldn't be able to have this conversation. So now in the future, we're going to know how to react better to it next time. And so that's the, it's a, for me, it's like that's the secret stuff of being able to dig into it. People like they come to me because they they want to lose weight. They want to look a certain way. I'm like, that's great and, all, mm. and I want to help you dig in on all the little extra pieces. This is the juicy stuff.
0: How about we get to why you want to look that way? Mm -hmm. Because there's a problem there. If you're putting outward effort into painting a stripe on your mask, you're already fucking up. If there, there should be no need to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. It should just be. Just be. Mm -hmm. And any kind of judgment you receive in that moment is only somebody else that's afraid to just be and they're upset that you have the strength to just be
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's so bizarre we hate freedom in other people because it represents our weakness
1: mm-hmm. it's That's so good.
0: not people are That's so, so good. weird
1: I like that It's like the, <laughs> that freedom for other people it's like looking it's like when people have so much control which I think even like a sense of control, is a sense of freedom. Mm. It's like, you know that you can control your emotions. You can know you can control your behaviors. And that gives us a sense of freedom that it's like, anything can come at me. I'm going to be able to manage and get through this. And other people don't like that. Like they think you should react or be a certain way.
0: Mm. Because it makes them focus on their own issues. Mm -hmm. Yep. I told uh, Gary earlier, him and I were, uh, were chatting about something and uh, I'll throw out those fortune cookie shits all the time. I'll say something that these, <laughs> like... you have to be a window in life as transparent as you could possibly be, because when you are, it makes the ease of catching people that are not transparent that much easier. You're not somebody someone needs to filter through. Mm -hmm. You are there and you're reliably the same thing every single day. But in doing that, it points out not just to other people, you know, like, I need to find out who's fucked up in the group. No, it also allows people to see their own issues lifetime because they don't exist in you. There's no camaraderie in the fucking in the shithole. You know, misery does love company. And when mm-hmm. you're no longer misery, it doesn't want you around
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it lets it know
1: that it's misery. Yep. I mean, think of over the course of even your lifetime, it's like how many different friend groups and things have you been through? Because you've changed and you have to grow. You wouldn't be where you are. Experiences are or if languages. You didn't mm-hmm.
0: Experiences are languages. We have to give experiences the same respect that we give a language that we don't understand. If we realize that if I speak English and you speak Spanish, there is no way we're going to be able to communicate. But the same thing exists that if you grew up on this side of the tracks and I grew up on the other side of the tracks, our languages aren't the same also happens through ascension, right? And understanding ourselves, becoming more mindful. One of our guests, um, couple days ago said that pain is an invitation to ascension Mm -hmm. i thought that was beautiful that is because the moments that you're sitting with people are those pivotal moments Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they're coming to you which i think that's also a beautiful thing because i see you not trying to catch people in a net Mm -hmm. rather just standing there and saying this is what we can do come find me because then it's a natural progression for the person that is seeking to better themselves. If you're out there peddling self-help hardcore, you're just a flash in the pan to Mm -hmm. the person that's not ready. Yep. I mean, continue to do it, whatever, if it floats your boat, but with someone like yourself, I see a different approach. I see an approach where you have open arms Mm-hmm. so to speak.
1: And I tell pe- so does- many people, yeah, go ahead. sorry all the time that it's just like, I even ask them, it's like, where are you at on wanting to change? And you know, if they're like, I'm, you know, I'm a one out of 10, like, you know, they're barely there. I'm like, I'm not the person for you. And I'm like, I can tell you that because so even coming from a therapeutic way, it's like we, I think it's helping professionals. So many helping professionals want to help everybody. And then that's where you end up burnt out, stressed out. And it's like, you have to come to the realization. And it's like, you cannot help everybody. Like people have to be willing to help themselves. And if they're not there yet, that's okay. They're not there. And they're like, I'll be here when you're ready. And I'm like, I will that's, go and do as much work as you want to do, but I can't work harder than you.
0: Yeah. That's unbridled passion. That's knowing that you need to give back and that you feel in your heart of hearts that the only thing you should be doing is helping people realize that they're suffering without cause, um, even though there is cause. I don't want anybody to tell yeah. me that, you know, they're not a victim of something. However, um, I always use the, <laughs> this is coming up a lot lately. There's a joke that an elderly gentleman told me in the shop, off color, awful. But sometimes you find those nuggets of truth. And his was that if you locked your wife and your dog in the trunk of your car for half an hour and then came back and opened it, which one would be happy to see? Mm -hmm. The dog. Always. The wife. Not so much. Also, a lifetime of trauma from then on out. PTSD. Mm -hmm. Can't fucking look at a Lincoln Town Car. I don't know. Whatever, you know, is the issue that comes out of that. Addictions. You know, morbid obesity or yeah. anorexia or all these things. Dog, sup, chief. Where's the next treat? Yep. Not in the trunk anymore.
1: So happy to see you.
0: It's a lot to be said about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Burdens are chosen in a lot of regard.
1: Yeah. And uh, I said I believe that's right. And it's like we are so reactive to things. And it's even with our health. It's like so many people are reactive. And it's like, what? why do we have to be reactive like if you we know what what's the right what's the better decisions for us it's like we wait till something horrible happens before we want to make some type of change or we have some type of huge breakdown and we are like oh my gosh something needs to change there's little there's little signs there's little cues that something's coming why aren't we paying attention to it
0: so that's a great thing that you bring up and it's an odd phenomenon in our country, that we will avoid a diagnosis like nobody's business. We will not proactively treat our illnesses, our issues, whatever they are, our ailments, our maladies, you can name it anything you want, but we won't do it. And I always sit and ponder stupid shit. And that's one of the things I'm like, well, why is it? Because I've lived around the world. I I have friends that are of different nationalities from different countries, have different types of medicines. And things like that. And the response has generally been, why don't you guys go to the doctor?
1: Not interesting.
0: And I'm like, that's a good question. (laughs) You know, and the first thing that pops up is obviously money, Mm -hmm. right? Here in America, we know that we save up for 65 years in order to give it all back to stay away, stay alive for 10. Mm -hmm. You know, or 20 or whatever, we're lucky enough to hope we don't run out and have to start delivering pizzas at 89, you know, or whatever it is. So I'm going kind to of forget where I'm going here, but at the same time, it just seems like we don't take the opportunities to help ourselves in the moments when we can and we're putting it off for some unknown reason. I'd like to think that it's because it's money and that's something we can solve. We change our medicine and we, you know, provide a better healthcare system, however you okay. want to do it. I don't care what side of the political, whatever you're on. But also there's got to be, I feel like there's an underlying issue as well. And that's fear of the unknown. Okay. I feel like people live in a state of being where they're in constant fear of what might be told to them in the next moment. Yep. And that can even be a diagnosis of some sort of medical issue. Because my wife, dude, she treats me like the dog. She sets up my appointments like the vet. She tells me when to go. She walks, and she's like, make sure you tell them this. And you do that. Grew up poor in the middle of nowhere. We went to the doctor when, like, we had an abscess tooth that our face was hanging. Anything that might raise, like, a DCF red flag. For yeah. the only times, our primary care physician was the ER. <laughs> yeah. So it fools me mm-hmm. when people are like, I've got an appointment coming up to make sure I've got good old, you know, my oil's all good. <laughs> Whoa. Why are you going there to ask for them to tell you something wrong first? Yep. I don't want to know that. So I have this issue. This is kind of why mm-hmm. I'm drilling down on it. But people don't want to fix their shit.
1: No. It-
0: and I don't understand why. is it because it's work
1: it's work and i I do think people have to want to put in the work of course i mean you're not going to get anywhere if you're not willing to put in some effort but with that fear i think it's like even looking beyond just like going to the doctor it's like people have fear of you know investing certain money of oh i had this is just somebody the other day that's like in desperate need of needing to work on her health and she doesn't want to invest in her health She's like well how about if something happens to my dog and then I can't take my dog to the vet? I'm like, then like you won't want to take care of you because you may the, need the money for the dog if the dog has to go to the doctor. God, Th- like this was a legit you, conversation.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking fall out because we just talked about this the other day. You brought up a great point, the dog. We are so bizarre in that we won't care for even other children like we do for animals for some bizarre reason. And here is the indicator. Next time you're in a room of people, when an Amber alert goes off, I want you to watch the collective response. Then I want you to go to your local community, Facebook page, whatever it is, and type in two words, lost dog. They will call out the fucking national guard. And will be like, men and women falling out of their cars to catch this poor thing and do all this stuff. But when fucking amber alerts go off, yes. fucking people are like, God damn it. This always, I'm, the constantly,
1: I don't want to do it. But if the dog goes missing, yeah. the whole hell breaks loose. Yes. That, and I'm an animal person. Like I love animals. Same. And, but it, it just, it's crazy to me. You know, it's like, all right, with that, it's like, we're going to invest in taking care of our animals before we're going to If you're not around, who's going to take care of your animals, period? They're going to end up in a horrible spot, most likely. But then even with the fear of like, I think people have this fear of even time. It's like, okay, I don't have the time Mm. to invest in taking care of myself. And I think it's that fear of what's it going to look like if I go to the gym instead of going home and feeding my children by six o'clock? of just, you know, a fear of like this, how it's going to appear to others.
0: You'll be happy while you're yes. feeding them. Yeah. I promise you it'll be a different experience. Mm-hmm. Like if you went to the gym before you fed your kids, your kids would have a much happier meal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I don't have kids, but I can tell you that that would, that would definitely be the theory that I would have because mm-hmm. I've never been mad after the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm always in a good mood after the gym. I like that that you brought up bitch on the way there Mm -hmm. i'll bitch like nobody's tomorrow like everybody else and i don't know why because again it's always a reward unless i hurt myself but it's never come out bad otherwise yet i'll look at it like brussels sprouts Mm
1: -hmm. i just love that that you brought up it's like this fear that people have with investing taking care of their health like to making certain decisions and I do I believe that holds back, holds so many of us back of this, this uncertainty and unknown and the uncomfortable. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. But through that is how we actually grow.
0: Fear is funny. Um, it manifests itself and can actually control things in very bizarre ways that we don't give it the respect that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the clear indicators, uh, it's, and it's another book that I talked, Ernest, The of Death. And he uses an analogy in this, and I'll butcher it, but let's think about, for the sake of the conversation, a pirate's plank. If I took a plank of wood, ten feet, twenty feet long, put it on the ground between the two of us, and I said, "Sasha, walk down this board to me." Mm -hmm. Fucking moonwalk down that bitch. You'd do cartwheels. You could do all sorts of stuff. But I take that board and I elevate it ten feet in the air. Suddenly. And it doesn't have to be like a crucial height. Mm -hmm. It could be three feet, 20 feet, two feet, doesn't matter. Instantly, your capabilities change. Mm -hmm. The confidence that you had to go down that board, which you know you could do, that's why you did it, suddenly are non-existent just by elevating a few feet in the air. How is that possible? Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. That's how we... Fear, fear, how we perceive that situation.
0: I think practice, aside from strength, because strength does come over time, practice in and of itself is not to get. Practice is to verify in small increments how good you already were.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you were trying to gain confidence each time. That's great. And the benchmark is where you quit believing in yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The reason why we constantly get new world is because each time someone has proven that this is possible. Mm-hmm. So if that's possible, the confidence level goes through the roof that you can get least of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everything after that is icy. Yep.
1: I think even with, with me, I was trying to, be more transparent and open and overcoming said a lot of these fears and that you know judgment's gonna come how I live my life and how I parent and all this is like I want to be able to just break that down and be like, all right, I'm real person over here. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Of just it's like I'm constantly having to practice and put into practice what I'm actually teaching and working on. And every mm-hmm. day. Every day, constantly, and being able to show people, that it's like, if I can do it, you can do it, too. And I said, I, I believe I'm a special person, but I don't believe I'm anybody special as far as like, oh, I'm doing things that other people aren't doing. Yeah.
0: I like that. I like the uh, perspective that you put on that because it takes away the stink that people like to put on feeling okay. special, which is disrespectful to ourselves yeah. to not think that we're not amazing because we aren't anybody mm-hmm. else. Why can't we all be equally beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, equally capable, yep. just the way we are, just the exact way that we... Are. Think
1: people are scared to say that.
0: Um, it's the old Western set. Every home has a fake front with two-by-fours, leaning it up, and we all go down the road, and we all go into the doors, and then we close... And then we fall on the ground behind it with our family crying in a heap and living in this tortured manner. And then for some stupid reason, get back up. We put on our new mask and our clothes and our makeup or Mm -hmm. our fucking Armani suit or our construction clothes or whatever the fuck it is. And we'll go out the front door and look left and right and be like, hi, Bob. Mm -hmm. Hi, Sarah. You know, how's it going today? Oh, the kids look great. Ah, little Johnny is doing it. No, little Johnny is fucking having an ADHD breakdown inside, and you caught him with Adderall in his top drawer and you're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. You're not going on vacation to Hawaii. You're running to Hawaii because you don't know what to do in your fucking yeah. house. That's the conversation that needs to fucking yep. happen. But nobody knows it's an old western set. Yeah. They all think that they're the one. They think they're the only one laying behind their house. And that's the game. Society's game is don't tell your neighbor how fucked it really is. Companies made a fucking fortune off of this. You're not allowed to discuss your salary. Well, that doesn't seem really? right. Why shouldn't I know what somebody's getting for the same amount of work as me? Yep and let me determine whether or not I think that their value is commiserate to mine or not. But don't deny me the fact that it's a way to hide hierarchy Mm -hmm. and favoritism. Yeah.
1: So many good things that you just said right there. Like putting my brain, just piecing them all together right now instead of just taking them all in.
0: But here's the thing. um, And thank you. It's like the only thing that I do in life now is contemplate life um so it's it's kind of like you get what you put into
1: it i can tell i said i'm so like an autistic things. kid telling people and about I'm, life i'm sitting here and when i get quiet i said my wheels just start turning because i'm going in so many different directions thinking about things I'm like, and like you said when you talk about somebody you know falling and laughing it's like my brain immediately goes to thinking three different situations that you know cracks me up that i went through in my own life
0: yeah oh 100 yeah. we don't realize what's left in the in the rearview yeah, view mirror Right, oh, we pick and choose, which is that's another funny one. You know, we like to make a trailer of our fucked up situations in life and play them like we're going to the theater every week. Next, <laughs> you know, come back and watch this again and again and again. By the way, do it in the morning, do it when you're brushing your teeth, do it before you go to bed. I bet you just laugh <laughs> all just the take time. Some more times,
1: i can just see you just I, Dude, I do. cracking up, having a great I time. I laugh. All the
0: time. Uh, you know what? I didn't. I didn't for 43 years. For 43 years, I fake laughed and I fake corporated and I fake did everything from the military to being a solution architect for some of the largest consulting firms in the world, traveling everywhere, all masks. You brought up something earlier that was super interesting. You said that you were really good at all these jobs and you didn't want to give them up. Um, I think that we're all good at all the jobs. Um, we're just not great at them because they're not our mm-hmm. job. We're great at our job, the yeah. one we're created Yep, from. And do know that every job out there is made up. Every single one because there's nothing that we're supposed to be doing besides sitting in a field, eating and hanging out. All this shit we do is made up.
1: So why didn't you really laugh for 43 years?
0: Because... I wasn't happy. I didn't have a reason to laugh because I didn't know who I was. If you don't know who you are, then you don't have a perspective. If you've got no position to view things through, no two days will be the same. So you can't enjoy life. You can't take it in and romanticize it if you haven't had a chance to look at it two times the same way. And I was only twisting myself even more directions because with every career comes a different place to live, different set of friends and a different environment. So you're laughing that day, but you're laughing from the perspective of corporate guy or you're laughing from the perspective of digging septic fields or you're laughing from the perspective of the soldier sitting, you know, cleaning weapons with all his buddies. These are all perspective laughs, but they weren't mine. And I think we all laugh from other perspectives all the time, but we never laugh at ourselves. And the moment that I started to laugh at myself and romanticize my own sense of humor, my own livelihood, and the things that I bring to the table was the moment that I could look out at things two days in a row, three days in a row, four days in a row, and recognize what was funny to me, what really was the reality that I was taking in and I could, it was also a tool. Humor to me breaks down barriers. I think comedians, George Carlin, um, prime example. When a comedian steps on a stage, they have a unique environment to influence people. Mm-hmm. And it is a non-confrontational environment if done correctly. And it is a extremely good learning environment because it doesn't take an affront to somebody direct. It's generally, if done correctly, it's a group, life. but with the, some kind of introspection at the individual level, because nobody knows who's being made fun of in those moments for the small works in reality the offenders whatever they are yes yeah, some if you I mean if you're breaking it down to a 50 50 you know one half's white one half's black you're just screwed everybody knows who yep. you're talking about but after that when you're talking about those little idiosyncrasies that people have that are causing other people pain comedy allows someone to learn about it as the offender and take it away and think about it without feeling like a horrible person mm-hmm. And I started to give myself that break as well. You know what? How the fuck did I know until I know? Yep. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. So thank you. That's Um, great. Yeah, that's, I I didn't know who I was. Simple as that. The last three years has been me. Mm -hmm. This is me. This is what I do. This is what I love. Um, And that's why I try to find people like yourself. Um, You found us. You reached out to us and I was honored that you did that because such a message um, and a passion. It's a limb, too, because here in America, we don't like somebody succeeding. And those that advocate on success are the ones that are told that they're got their head in the fucking clouds Mm -hmm. or they're not playing by the same rules. So it's not fair or whatever it is. So there's a certain amount of risk when you go out there and you put yourself in front of people as someone that is there to help them Mm -hmm. because people want to have their social therapists, mental health people to have a clean backyard. I don't know why, but you're super transparent. And I've had to work
1: to be that way. And it's like even reaching out is like, I want to be able to reach out to put myself out there more. It's, you know, people do not feel alone, but even for my own self, like I think I grow every time I do it and it's like, I'm trying to grow. Like I want to be better. I want to be able to touch and help more people. And so that's going to require me to overcome some fears, continue to be transparent, even more transparent. And that I grew up culturally, um, I'm half Hispanic, half white. And on the Hispanic side, you know, just breaking down those barriers that I was taught. It's like, you don't put your business out there. You don't tell people things. And it's, mm-hmm. even now facing that still, it's like the, my family not understanding, you know, what, what's the point of social media? Or you share and you tell too many things. And even with my son of, you know, being able to speak out on that. And I'm like, you would have no idea on how to what autism looks like. You would have no idea of how to even best help him if other people didn't talk about it. So now it's my job to talk about it. It's my job to help other people. And that's why I do it.
0: I think the key in that is the freedom of expression. When you make the decision to not let them be the net that holds you back from who you are supposed to be Mm -hmm. actually the spider web, because it's always breaking. Um, Not allowing them to have that position where they willingly try to keep your success or passion out of their face, because that's what they're doing. Don't let me see that, because then it shows I have capability, then it shows I'm not doing what I could for my family, or then it forces me to just fucking man the fuck up. Well, in my case, man the fuck up get out of that victim chair and live a life step Mm -hmm. over the shit um and i think that you're giving them a a path to follow and i appreciate you for that um can you tell everybody where they can find you what they can expect when they Mm -hmm. reach out to you and um you know any extra advice that you might have before we wrap up
1: so what you can expect when you reach out is actually talking with me so i actually coach all my clients individually one-on-one. I don't hire other people to do it. So I think that's extremely important and something that I pride myself on. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. It's at Sasha underscore fit counselor. And then on Facebook, it's just Sasha S-A-S-H-A Rogers. And so um, I'm growing more of my YouTube to help more focus on autism. So I'm hoping that's something that's in the future uh, for mm. me as far as moms and parenting and autism and knowing how to deal with stress and burnout and it's okay to take care of yourself.
0: We're on the brink of learning some things about autism that I think that uh, we're going to change what um, quote unquote a disability oh, yeah. is. I heard
1: somebody say the other day that it was an invisible disability and it's so true. Like you would never know, like looking at my son, he was so active, so, so, so busy. And like, you would never know that there was anything until, you know, you see some of those little behaviors and that he doesn't talk and, things that are not on the normal timeline progressions that like he's going to be awesome i know he is the normal timeline uh,
0: i'm i'm over i'm over normal
1: we are definitely not normal so i feel like you can relate like
0: we're creating
1: our own normal so that's what you can expect that's where people can find 100 and some new things coming down the line for me and um, yeah, I just having an opportunity. I hope to meet more people, talk with more people, and help as much as I possibly can.
0: Well, we genuinely appreciate that. I know my listeners are going to appreciate it, and I know that they're going to probably reach out and uh, and pick your brain. Definitely go by um, social media because there's always salient advice on there. There's good witty points. There's funny stuff. Thank there's you. real life. Um, and reach out. If here's here's what I like to think if your voice resonated with someone, that person should reach out. It's as simple as that. If you heard something that was said today that you can relate to and is part of your struggle, what could it hurt to reach out to someone and at least, if anything, find that camaraderie and misery or the release and the laughter at the fact that two people are changing poopy diapers behind a different wall. That's right.
1: without realizing. Yes, that is so true. That's great. Thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Station. Remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning.